Welcome to the Old Chats Pod with me, Amesh here. And me, James Factor. This podcast will tackle the taboo topic of mental health in a raw, honest and jovial way. We're two good mates who've met in London talking about their own mental health hiccups with some help from some special guests along the way. Welcome to episode 23. This is The Gambling Chat. Here we speak to Mish Allen about the link between addictions and mental health, his own struggles with gambling and how he got out of the downward spiral. In fact, you want? Yeah, I'm all good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. This this has been a while. We probably have to start with a with an apology. The fact we haven't done a recording for a couple of months, but we've got more episodes coming thick and fast. We'll blame we'll blame we'll blame on the football. Has it been two months? Is it really? I think two months since Dan's episode, more or less. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's been watching the football. Yeah, we've had to we've had to have some we've earned some downtime, but yeah. Yeah, you've actually been there, Mesh, haven't you? I keep following your, yeah. your your England story. Uh I, I yeah, obviously very lucky, very grateful. I went to the last last few games at Wembley, but mate, the best month of my life. I don't know about you, mate. It's been unbelievable. It's been such a whistle stop whistle stop tour. But yeah, it's just flown by. Yeah. We said it before, didn't we? We were like, for us, this is when like the world starts opening up for us, when the like the football's back and everything. Just like going to the Germany game as well. Like you could just see everyone like burst with emotion. Like, it feels as if everyone had like pent up like eighteen months of emotion and stuff and just let it all out. Yeah, I reckon the Germany game was probably the takeaway game from the whole tournament for me. Yeah, just for the result for the result as well. Finally beating them and also just it was that time, wasn't it? Fans were coming back in some numbers, and I was I just loved watching the fans when the goals went in rather than the actual players. Yeah, because the so fans' true. reactions were were unbelievable. And just like you're, you're friends with everyone, like obviously you have to have like a negative test getting in, but like everyone's jumping on you, everyone's kissing you, like everyone's hugging, like that sort of like affection that we've missed for so long. All the all back with randomers, it was yeah. just it was just there in like that like ninety minutes. But yeah, yeah, it was great, and obviously it wasn't meant to be at the weekend, but but I don't know, I don't know about you, mate. Like do you know all this stuff that's coming out, all the the racism, abuse, and stuff. I think obviously it's terrible, but. I think people are a bit oblivious to the fact that this has been going on for years. Like, I think it's great that it's actually getting called out now. Like, yeah. I don't think if it wasn't for the BLM or anything, like, people wouldn't be called out. Because 100%, this has happened, like, in previous tournaments when things like that's happened with, like, black English players. But at least now people are talking about it. Yeah. In a weird way, it is. The, the getting to the final, the platform for that kind of abuse is actually a lot bigger than it's probably ever been. Yeah, at any point in in the past, not just for football fans, but for ev- everyone who um, who's on social media has basically is aware of what's going on with it now. And it's been like something football have done it. They've tried to fight it out with, you know, social media bans for short periods. I remember we spoke about that a few months ago. Yeah. And my point, well, we were saying that it's fine. To, you know, if you do it for a few days, it's not going to make a difference. Really, there needs to be wholesale sort of perception change about the whole thing and I, th- I hope that this is the start of it and bringing more accountability to people who go online in some way 
it's finally if it takes something you know like this like this bad not just the result but obviously the backlash to the players he missed and racist uh, comments that were made straight away from people and also the fans in Wembley itself um hopefully something good can come out of it and that is that it's already you can see bits of it you know I don't know if that it happened in the past but the news is that people have been banned already from games they've they've been held accountable there is some accountability happening um so it's moving in a direction which I think is positive for that but it's something that I think needs to just go a lot further and like you know was it Nicola Roberts or from Girls Aloud I think came forward and said this isn't enough to really change it yet but um it's something you know that we're talking about it and, and hopefully it can go to tougher measures for people and for more accountability when you make an account that is you, I didn't see. I didn't see. I didn't, see, I didn't know Nicola was still knocking around. Hey, I always follow what girls are up to. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's racist bigots in every country, and like, especially football fans, it's kind of a bit more working class. Like, there's more probability of those sort of things happening. But yeah, like, I think it's great that's definitely getting called out. And like, people are beginning to like lose their jobs and people stuff on social media, which, which is great. Like that, that, that would never happen yeah. if you like even a couple of years ago. No. Definitely not. That's that's true. Yeah, they can't be. It's not people are being aware that you know you're putting yourself out there. If you get found out where you work, what you know, what situation you're in, then it's going to come back and, and affect you. I know, like we've talked about before with the episode with Larry, like like racism, mental health is quite intrinsically linked. And I think in the next few months, I think I'm ready to tell my story. So we'll stay tuned for that. What thing was quite funny as well actually was obviously I was going to all these. I went to like the England games. And everyone just saw the end goal of me going to England game. And everyone's like, oh my God, you're so lucky. But how'd you get a ticket? It's like, yeah, I'm so lucky, but I actually did something about it. Like I literally cancelled all my social plans and was like, right, I'm just going to just gonna refresh this portal. Like, do you know, like one of those birds, like you just, just refresh the portal, like, like on the every drip. minute. <laughs> on the water, Pico. Yeah, on the drip, on the, on the drip, literally. I had two laptops on the go. Like, I, was, I was like, yeah, working and then doing that on the side. And then, um, but it's so funny because, one of our mates was like, one of our mates who I went with, like most games, all the games, he was like, I was like, oh, do you feel guilty you got these tickets? And he was like, well, no, but he had a really good point. He was like, it's a bit like gambling. Like people often just see the end goal and don't see that amount of seeing like the losses, all the things that have happened before. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of, kind of leads on to this week's episodes with a good mate, Mish. It does indeed. I can't wait to speak to him. Michelle. Sure. Hey, my lads. How are you, sir? Good, how are you? Good, thanks. Um, one of the questions that you asked me straight away was, how did it come about? And I would, um, just sat down and started thinking about it whilst I was watching football on Sunday, actually. And um, just thinking about where it all came from and why I was into betting and why I was into gambling and stuff like that. And uh, I think it was just one of... My mates from school, his dad was big into it. Not into gambling, but he'd have like robots set up and they'd all be like doing all the transactions for him and be making quite a bit of money on the side or so I thought anyway. Yeah. And I think it all started from there. So be like giving him two quid to put an accumulator on on the Saturday and just watching it on Gillette Soccer Saturday. And it just sort of went from there really. And I've probably been gambling since I was 16 up to... 26 so I'll just sort of stem from there really I mean in terms of doing it I just liked the idea of being able to back a match you have an idea it's your team 
you know, whether you're betting on Man United or Bradford City, Messi, as you know, or anyone like that, really, you think you have an idea and you think it's going to be easy. And then that's when you start going down the slippery slope, basically. When you said Messi, what were you, were you just betting on football? Or... Yeah, yeah, literally. Um, football, sports, tennis was a big thing that I was into. Not so much horse racing, not so much like golf or anything like that. It was just literally anything that you could get a quick win on. So like nine minutes of football, get your return, get that, build it up, put it on to something else. And then to, to begin with, I think really the, the reason I was doing it was because I quite liked the idea of just seeing if I could make some money on the side. And then as you start doing it a little bit more, you start spending more money because you'll see how much you need to stake to win something. Uh, that will lose, you'll start depositing, you'll start to look at putting larger bets on. And it just goes from there, really. You know, you uh, before you know it, you've spent, say I was 20 years old, and you've spent £100 in the afternoon on the wage that you'll be earning at that time, or the wage that I was earning at that time. It's quite a lot of money, really. And um, before you know it, you do it again the next day, you don't win anything. The next day comes around, and then you've spent all your money before... The, you know, you've only had three days worth of uh, of your pay, and you've got another month to go until until you get any more money. Paid. I get the um, with the football because obviously you play football, so when you're you're watching it all the time, so you kind of you know you're better placed than you are with those other sports, yeah. I guess, to have like a feeling and a feeling based on stuff you know. So you're going to bet on it. But with the other ones, how, how did you start rationalising? Were you interested in those sports as well? Or was it just they were there and you thought, I'll give it a go kind of thing? No, so so tennis, I was a big tennis fan. I used to play tennis when I was a kid. Go down to the local tennis club and, and play with uh, quite a few other lads who lived in, in the area as well. So I was always massive fan of tennis, like massive fan of golf, massive fan of all sports, really. Like horse racing, obviously, we'll go to the Grand National every year, as you know. You know, I'm interested in all sports. I'm a sport, sportsman, basically. So it just felt like at the time when you're 18, you want to earn a bit more money than than what you're getting from, you know, your part-time job or your administration office work that you do. I didn't go to university. I was going to go to university, but then I had a gap year and then started working, started getting money. And I thought this is going to be better for me than actually going to university and doing a degree. So I just wanted to do a degree in journalism. So it wasn't really like a degree of anything in, in particular. It was just doing something for the sake of that was something I was interested in. So when I started getting the money from my salary, from my pay, I wanted to earn more. I wanted to be able to do more things. I wanted to go on holidays. I wanted to go and see my friends at university. And I, and I felt that was, you know, that was something that I would uh, be good at to, to increase my wage base. Were you doing it, were you doing it online or? Yeah, just online. So I never, well, Rarely went into the bookies. It was just when really online betting started becoming a thing. So I don't know whether that was a aspect of really me and getting the free bets, sign up offers, those sorts of things. Didn't really feel the need to go into a bookmakers because all you had to do was just add your card details and it was easy enough to deposit. I think he even opened a, an account before I was 18 as well, just putting a fake date of birth. There wasn't any checks like there, there is now. You hear a lot of uh, regulations about betting. Or I keep up to date and try and read about it because I like to um, see what improvements they're making because there just wasn't any. There wasn't any regulation. They'd let you put as much as you want. You've probably heard about VIPs and high rollers and um, those sorts of customers where 
the betting firms will just allow them to just keep depositing and keep giving them sign-up offers so they continue to bet. And there was a betting company that was providing me with free bets. And, and by no means, there were massive amounts. You may read that people have lost hundreds of thousands of pounds. I didn't lose anything like that. But they, were, they constantly were providing me with free bets in order to continue depositing with them, basically. So... And, and at the time, like I said, there was no restriction around it. They were just, they could just do whatever they want. There was no regulation or anything. So. Was it more a case of regular betting small stakes, Michelle? Was it like the odd big, like big um, What I used to do was I'd deposit five or 10 pounds, put it on a bet that would provide me with a quick return. This is like when I was sort of really in the depths of gambling every minute of every day. And um, I'd put a bet on so that, the return would be pretty much within 15, half an hour, 50 minutes, half an hour. And the reason that I wanted it was so that I could build it up to a point where I'd say, well, that's enough. I've won that today. Then I'll withdraw it. And that would be the way in which I felt it was a good way to make money, basically. So to begin with, it's, there's an element of it where you're selfish, you're getting the money you've earned it you've been going to work i've been depositing it i've been putting it on something that i'm interested in uh, i'd lose put another fiver on you think nothing of it you'd spend more at the pub put another fiver on lose again and then like i said before you know you spend 100 pounds in a day no limits on your account so it's not restricting you as to how many times you can deposit and uh it's pretty much where where it all sort of goes from there and then you spend all your money you wait to get paid again, you do it again. Maybe next month you spent all your money and you like 20 days away until your next pay. So that's when you start getting debt. It's easy to get debt. It's easy to get unsecured debt. So you do it again. Um, you spend it all and you just pile up levels of debt to a point where pretty much you're getting paid. You've got to pay all your direct debits to the loan companies, credit card providers, and then you've got nothing left again. So you just do it again. And that's just the cycle of it. So the, at the start, it's selfish because I wanted to earn more. I wanted to have more money available to me. But then as you get to these points, that's where it becomes desperate. You you have to spend your money. This is the cycle that I was in. You have to spend your money on a betting site to win back what you've lost. And when you lose, you have to, you have to win that back again. You wouldn't describe yourself then as a gambling addict. And per se, you would, it was just more that you started off with a bit of a flutter and then you just needed to keep getting the money back. It wasn't that you were getting that fix of the rush of the gamble. It was the, yeah, the money Yeah, because I was gap. thinking about this um, before coming on. Would I describe myself as a recovering addict? It's difficult. When, obviously, if you were drinking and you stopped drinking, you would class yourself as sober and recovering because there's always that risk of doing it again whereas things that are in place that help a gambling addict will just mean that you cannot do it again so i don't feel as though i am now a recovering gambling addict i was definitely addicted to it and i definitely felt it was the only way that i could uh get out of the situation that i was in to begin with it was nice to win money but i never really won enough to to brag about it or to be in a position where it was going to change my life. I never won like thousands of pounds in one go. I think the biggest bet I ever won was like maybe 
it sounds quite a lot, but £3,000 is probably the biggest one I ever had. But before that, the next biggest one that I won was maybe like 1600 and anything else I won was going to be less than that. So they're not life-changing amounts of money, but they are when you find yourself in a position where you need to pay £1,000 to uh, debt companies or you need to pay for anything, basically. Whether it's a lad's holiday and you need to put a deposit down, it gets to a point where you have, to have no money, but I needed to give 20 quid and, and people would be like, well, why don't you have 20 pounds? I'm like, well, the reason I don't have it is because I've gambled it all trying to win 20 pounds to give to you when I could have just given you 20 quid in the first place, you know. But but that's the sort of cycle you're in. You don't feel that that money is available for other things. It's available to to gamble and to, to put towards potentially putting yourself in a better position, really. Yeah. You say it's not a lot of money, Mitchell, but it only takes one one of those wins to be like, I'm on something, I'll keep going. I think, and there's not just there's not just you, but I know like there's a few of my other mates who can down this slippy slope, but you only hear you only ever hear about the wins, you never hear exactly, about yeah. You know, and and I, you know, it would be a case of um, a lot of people knew that I was betting when I was like early twenties, twenty one, twenty two, and that's all they talked to me about. Oh, what are you betting on? You know, what have you won? And I'd say, well, I've won this, but never tell them how much I've lost. You know. And the wins never cover the losses, which is why I got myself in this position, basically. Do you remember uh, a time when it became sort of like desperate for you, like a, a certain bet or just, you know, a period where it gone from being a bit inconvenient to being, fuck, this is a real problem? Yeah, yeah. And it's always around, it's always been around like having to cover something. So... There was a particular moment that I talked to my friends about, oh, like Mesh, you might have heard this story before, but um, I was betting on Arsenal versus Chelsea and uh, I just needed one goal. And if they'd have scored everything that I'd have bet for the day, I'd have been back to zero and it would have been fine. But wouldn't have been fine because I was obviously betting and <laughs> gambling quite a lot. But in my mind, that would have been a situation that I was happy with. And um, Hazard went through one goal and uh, all he had to do was swear it to Lloyd Remy. And uh, he, he took the shot himself, bounced off the keeper and ended up finishing 1-0. And basically, I only needed one more goal. And uh, at that moment, I just brought it down. I was like, I'd spent quite a lot in the day. I think I'd spent like £800 just in that one day. But over the course of the weekend, I think it built up to thousands of pounds. And uh, that was a point where, that was the first time where I'd, I'd really spoke to somebody about it. And it was fine for like the first year. And then after that, uh, I went into a bookmaker's place to bet and I won. And that was it. I was just back to where I was before because I'd won again. I was like, well, this is easy. Just sucked me straight back in. Um, another time after that, I needed help. But the the second time I needed help was because of the, the debt that I was building up. So it wasn't necessarily well obviously it was the gambling but it was a level of debt that I was taking on um was becoming unaffordable because half the time when if you are a gambling addict and you're taking out debt you're having to take them out on like 100% interest so whilst you're borrowing the money to cover yourself you're now having to borrow like an extra few hundred pounds on top or whatever it may be to cover 
the cost of taking the, the, the credit on. And um, that's when it just became a, a problem the second time. Got some help off uh, my family. They were willing to pay basically all of the, the debt that I had off interest plus the stuff that I'd gambled. And I vowed on that day that I won't place a bet myself again. <laughs> Signed up to a site called Gamstop which is like brilliant. It just does not allow you to set up any accounts with anyone, even the National Lottery. You can't even set up National Lottery account and play lottery. And that's the tool that basically said to me, you, you can't do this anymore. The, the help that I got from family members basically said this, just, you, you can't do it anymore, basically. That's obvious as well. How, how old do you when you did that? Oh, uh, two years ago, I was 26. That's commendable that you've done it now because you hear about family kids and that's when that's when you know they're like that's when you know it's shit because you've got people who depend upon you yeah they're like parents and stuff like that like that's years and years worth of debt which granted obviously it's still not a great position to be in but commendable to you that you stopped it before it's gone well i mean that was it there was the the level of responsibility i had was got had a mortgage or yeah still had a mortgage at the time so I was still managing to cover everything and pay for everything and still live a normal life. But in the background, you know, inside of me, it wasn't normal. Like I knew I shouldn't have been doing it. But when you get to a certain point where you've got all of these other outgoings, you become in a bubble. And I, I sort of presume this is how drug abuse addicts and drink, you know, um, alcohol abuse addicts feel. But they're in a bubble. All they can think about is getting the next score, getting the next party. They're not doing it because they want to do it. They're doing it because they feel that's the only option for them. And obviously people are scared to ask for help. I was scared to ask for help. I didn't want to uh, ask anyone. I felt embarrassed, felt, you know, how, you know, just thinking how much money I'd spent, people thinking that I was selfish, um, all these sorts of feelings, really. And ultimately, they are the first things that people think of, but when they realise and afterwards take a different view on it and they're glad that you've asked for help, really. So I'm, I wish I'd have asked for help a lot earlier. And anyone who's listening who feels they're in a similar position to me, I would suggest that they do. That's quite a common theme from people who've got depression or mental health is they always wish that they'd asked for help earlier and they'd be in a better position. But I've uh, worked to get myself in a better position to where I am now compared to then, so... Yeah, that's brilliant, seriously, to to go and uh, sort that out. Yeah. And did as well with it. it. It just got to a point where I just didn't really have a choice. You know, I just needed to, to sort it out. I knew I needed to sort it out. I didn't want to live the life that I was living. It had the impact on my temper. So the people who I was around, I was always angry. They was always asking me why I'm on my phone all the time. And I'm just watching some backstreet tennis match, waiting for someone to hit an ear. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's laughable, but that's literally how... How I was feeling at the time, you know. It sounds like you were. Was it sort of hiding in plain sight a bit with that? Because you said that obviously, like with with drugs yeah. or drinking, you know, you can see like the effects of it. But oh, yeah. How well do you think you were masking that side to people around you? And do you think they were kind of buying it and they didn't really notice anything wrong? Yeah, yeah. But I think some of my mates will have known that I've spent quite a lot on it, but I wouldn't be open with them and saying oh, I've just deposited another twenty quid on someone to score the next goal or just put another 30 quid on someone to win a tennis match. I wasn't doing that. So I don't think anyone really knew the extent of 
what I was yeah. what I was doing really. It's quite easy to hide. Basically, you're on your phone all the time. Everyone's yeah. on the phones. Everyone's on social media. Everyone's scrolling. So no one's gonna ask you what you're doing on your phone, are they? <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. And te- technically, and once you're 18, you're the only person who should have access to your bank account. Like, like you're the other one's gonna know all the details and stuff. So it's kind of kind of your own secret. But you kind of hit them. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head as well, Michelle, when you said. Like addiction and mental health pretty linked, like whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, like gambling, whatever it is, booze, whatever it is, like it's all it's all linked because you're trying to get that short term fix, but you're not really realizing what the actual problem so, is. Did it feel that was it like a cycle then, in a way? Because I guess you'd gamble more, then feel I guess worse about it, and then try and get back to it so that the two just fed each other. Yeah, that's exactly it. Exactly. I was just in a bubble where um I'd wake up, check the result from the day before. I never used to like betting whilst I was going to sleep because I could never sleep. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I'd just be like waking up at three in the morning, four in the morning, looking at my phone, checking the result, going back to sleep. So I never really used to like doing that as weird as it sounds. Um, but that was the that was the cycle I was in. I would spend it, I would lose it, I would bet another. And then, you know, even like after bet, betting 20 or 30 pounds later, I'd just be so angry with myself. And the only way that I could get out of it, weirdly, was to put another bet on. Just hope that it would, my situation would improve. But it was just making it worse, it's, which is, you know, the, the obvious thing to say, really. But It's so tough, though, because, like, even like, from the start of this pandemic, I always said, like, the main thing that got me through was, like, control what you can control. But, like, gambling is the exact opposite. Like, you can't, you can't control any of that. You're, you're putting money on something that you literally have no effect. You, you can't change any of that effect. Like, when um, when the pandemic started, I actually felt sorry for uh, gambling addicts because there won't have been anything for them to bet on. And, and you, you could have, you could see on Twitter a lot of people were betting on Belarus football and stuff like that just because they wanted something to bet on. Mm-hmm. They're the sorts of triggers, really, that you think, well, you know, what are you actually doing with yourself if you're watching Belarus League 3 and spending money on that sort of thing when you can always spend it on something different. But it's always easy to do that, look at it from hindsight. Um, But they're the sort of triggers that I look at and think, well, you know, gambling's not the be-all and end-all, but for somebody who's trapped in that bubble, it is. They need need a release. And if it's going to be Belarus Division 3 football for them, they're going to bet on it, unfortunately. But and if I looked at it from the other point of view, I also felt it was probably good for gambling addicts because probably realised how much they were spending, how much they were wasting on it, not having Premier League football to bet on, not having international football to bet on, or anything really. Uh, there wasn't any sport going, was there, for, for three months? So hopefully, some of some of them will have realised and stopped, or some of them will at least realised how much they're wasting on it during that period. But that was the main thing that I was thinking of when it actually happened. I was thinking, there's no football. What are these people going to do? And I know it's not just sport. I've read quite a lot of articles about people who've lost it on uh, blackjack, um, other sorts of games, online games. Um, they never really interested me, weirdly enough, again, because I felt that they were um, a bit of a scam. You know, fixed odds, never really going to win the, the, the odds are never going to be in your favor whereas with sport at least you've got half a chance of 
cheering someone on and hoping they win you some money. But yeah, it's it's strange because it is kind of like it's like the sociable. There is an aspect of where where you're with other people, and I guess you're getting a buzz from the game itself. There's actually something there to enjoy as well, but there's also this other side to it as well. It it sounds it's like that toxic cycle that you were talking about because with like with drink or something else you know addiction or health it's it's obviously you know they're struggling but then there's the whole effect on basically you know your finances and your, and the life as well that goes with it so it's it really like really pulls it down and, that, and that's probably one of the things that I, that, I will, that I would have struggled with over that period of time is li- living a normal life really you know i had enough to pay for a mortgage i had enough to pay for all of my bills and pay for food um but then I wouldn't be able to go for a pint or I wouldn't be able to pay for a ticket to go and watch something with my, with my mates because I just wouldn't have that cash spare. And that's when it starts to grate on you. You know, if you just wanted to, even like paying for subs for football, I didn't have three quid sometimes to go and go to football training. And it'd just be embarrassing. I'd have to say, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pay you next week. And then next week it'd come around and be like, oh, sorry, I'm going to have to... Yeah, move on another week. It sounds exhausting. Yeah. It's so exhausting as well. It's had to keep thinking. Just all about. you think about is money all the time. Just thinking about what you're wasting, what it could go on, how to get out of the situation. And without help, you can't. Especially if you know you've got, you feel like you're in a, a mindset where you've got to gamble to win something to to live. And I was just doing that month on month, day on day, and. Uh, yeah. Difficult to get out of it. It's really difficult. You you you're praying for a miracle, and uh, really all you need to do is just ask for help and assess your options and see what you can do. There's loads of different options that are available. Some of them weren't available to me because of the profession that I do, but there are lots of other different things that are available that you can that you can do to help you in that situation. They're not always ideal, but you put yourself in a position where have to make tough choices obviously it's, it's just difficult because you don't want to feel sorry for yourself but at the same time you need to have a bit of a reality check and, and realize what you've done and and own up to it and and make the situation right whichever is going to be the best way for you to do that really and like i say thankfully for me it was help from family but there's a lot of people who are not going to get that help and they've got nobody to turn to so it's yeah you know they need to then think about what they're going to do. And these sites that are available, like Gamstop and, and quite a few others, obviously, bet responsibly. That's a big message that comes out. They've got a website as well. There's loads of different um, there's loads of different information that's available. I never actually went to like a Gamblers Anonymous, never went to get counselling or anything because I just felt that once um, I'd got help with, with the debt that I'd built up from it, that, that I would be okay after that. And thankfully I have been this day so good to hear mate well you know i wouldn't say it's not feeling sorry for stuff just taking yeah. responsibility i think when you're in it when you when you're in the moment though and you spent 50 quid and you're like oh why have i done that you know i think that that's sort of the feeling that that someone would have that i definitely had all the time and i'd be like oh well how do i get this back i'll put another fiver on put another tenner on yeah. and it's just <laughs> It's just day after day. That's that's the that's the same feeling you get day after day. Basically. Yeah. The wide the wide picture is also like like financial well being. Like people don't like mental. People don't talk about the finances. And I've kind of I've mentioned before where 
was a couple of years ago I did a bunch of fight. I racked up debt, moved over a few, few credit cards, but I didn't tell I didn't tell my parents anything until like one Christmas. But obviously within that time I'm just getting overdraft like it's just to build up interest. And then same thing with you, Michelle. Like I remember like I think we were at, like it was a Christmas whatever, chance of brother. And then my brother's like, What how have you got this? and I lost it. I just like fucking almost like smack him. I was like, why did that he just telling me off because I had so much debt and I was like, oh, shut the fuck up. Like and then my dad like Grateful for my dad, like, stepped in and he was like, well, let's just sort this out here. You need, you need someone, like, I know it's tough, like, obviously, he needs to try and be over your parents stuff, but, like, you need someone else above you to be, like, to, to help sort you out. Um, and it makes so much of a difference having having people around mm-hmm. you to be like, you don't need, like, you don't need gambling. Like, it's tough as blokes as well. We'll go to we'll go to the pub, watch, like, maybe watch, like, a Euros game now, which no one really cares about, but everyone's like, oh, it matters more if you put money on it. It's yeah. like, oh, Someone, someone, someone wins a few quid day, like, oh, I feel jealous. Like, oh, I should have done it. Like, it's such a vicious cycle, but mate, good, good you've sorted yourself out, mate. It does, it does feel so much better as well, doesn't it? Because it's always like, it's always like over your head. Yeah, it, it was just huge when, um, when I got help. Just, I was just, just, obviously, just massively emotional about it. I was like, I'm so thankful that I got help. It came at a cost. There was things that I lost. Um, but you know that there were things that I knew that I would lose in, in the situation that I was in. There wasn't anything I could do about that. It was just a huge relief, and it just instantly in my mind I was like, "That's it. There's just no no way that I can do that again. No way that I can put anyone in this position again." Um, I, I, I uh, knew the I knew what I'd lost. I knew the the, the cost of it all, and it was just good to get help and be in a position where I didn't have to think about doing that again I just knew that I was on the straight and narrow I knew that it was going to take time to pay off in myself I knew it would take time for me to be more confident be less depressed you know have money available to do things and not feel guilty about having a uh, a past of gambling issues and debt issues it's been a long road but I feel a lot better about it now I hope someone else can take that away if they listen and they're in a similar position that uh it's not going to happen overnight, but if you ask for help, that's the start of the road to, to recovery. Basically, what's what's your relationship like now with with gambling? If you're out and about, is it cold turkey completely, or is there still the kind of you know the flutter? Uh, no, it's, if my friends are doing it, then I'm happy for them to do it. I've got no interest. I don't feel the urge to bet. Um, I don't feel like I'm in a position where I need to deposit or settle my own account I'm more than happy for them to do it because I know that people get enjoyment out of it people like to do it people like to win money if I notice that one of my friends is being in a position where they're struggling then I'll say and we've we've had on this conversation before and spoke to a couple of mates they've done similar things signed up to Gamstop it's probably helped them you know me sharing my story with them um, probably definitely helped Uh, because as you know, Mesh, we, we all used to be big gamblers back in the day and anything that was on would be back in. But I don't think any of the lads are half as, half as bad as we used to be now. And I, and I feel that's probably partly because of what's happened to me and what I've shared with them, really. That's good That's good to see as well, Mesh. Because I think we're from the same sort of area at home. And I'm not going to lie, I remember there's not much to do. And I remember so many times of our, like, when we all drove, our, like, Saturday nights would be, like, go to the Sydney World in Bradford and go to the casino. If we won there, we'd, we'd be able to go to Nando's in the cinema. I 
that was it. Like that, we'd all just drive. Yeah. We'd all drive to. We'd all drive to the casino and hope that that could fund our night. And that's what happens. But yeah, it it used to be the thing. We just go to like if we were going away for the weekend. It'd always start by making sure that there was a bookies on route, and we'd go there before all the kickoffs start and and put a bet on. Uh, and you know. Like I said, I'm not. I'm happy for them to do it because I know that they're getting enjoyment out of it, and it doesn't concern me whatsoever that they are putting bets on. I don't feel like I need to to do that with them. Um, but it was just constant every day. We someone would always be posting bets, like sending it through on WhatsApp, sharing sharing tips, and uh, you just feel like you've got to back everything. And it's and it's it's more difficult probably when you are uh, a gambling addict because. You want to back everything. You don't want to feel like you're losing out. You yeah. don't want to miss out on winning with someone else. Um, it sounds like it's this kind of like the obviously, as I say, no one talks about the ones yeah. they lose, do they? They always put the winner out there for people to see. So you feel you're feeding yeah. off that FOMO as well of a good tip off or something that must be tough to keep. <laughs> well, there's, there's still sending them through because, like, like I said, I've got no problem with them sharing bets and uh, winning because <laughs> ultimately, when they do win. You know they're they're generous, like you say. People want to show that they've won. They're quite happy to spend money that they didn't have half an hour ago. So you know, I'm I'm happy for them to still do it, just so long as they do it in moderation. As long as they don't end up uh, in a similar sort of position to me, really. I know it sounds yeah, I know it sounds bad, but like it's obviously unbelievable you're sharing your story, Michelle. But it really like your story. Really, it'll probably like it'll resonate with a lot of people, but also the penny will drop with a lot of people. I'm like, oh shit, yeah. this could happen. Happens so fast. So yeah, and if you're doing it online, it's literally a click of a button. Like it's yeah. so easy, bang, like comes in instantly, yeah. gets goes out instantly. There's, so, there's a lot of problems with betting companies. They don't. They just take your money. Basically, they're not interested in. Yeah, of course. You know, uh, paying you even when you win. But, they make it really difficult for you to withdraw any money. Um, I think there's a new feature now, actually, that would have really helped me at the time, is where mm-hmm. um, you would be able to cancel a withdrawal. So say I'd won, uh, I'd, I'd actually gone to withdraw the money, but then like an hour later, I've seen something on telly or I've seen something, and I'll like cancel the withdrawal, uh, take 100 out, then put another 500 to withdraw. And then by the time you know, you know it, all of it's gone again and there's features like that that they've, that they've implemented that was to help people now who are betting um, not just gambling addicts but anyone really if you want if you want to win a bet you want to take the winnings out you don't want to have to spend them on other bets but there was all these sorts of things that weren't in place that are in place now yeah. and I'd, like i said before i read quite a lot of stories about people who had spent loads of money and spent them on uh mainly it's the uh, casino games that we're playing. Like, that's where you spend the most money because that is literally instant, an instant win. And it's just so easy to just get wound up in depositing and depositing to get to a point where you, you're having to take out debt and then the debt hits your account instantly. You can get loans within two hours. You just start again. That is great. Are you fucking, we've, just let, we've just set you up here, Misha. You've just... You've just given us gold. We've had to barely input here. <laughs> and, uh, well, I was thinking, like, I didn't really want to come from an angle where um, I'm like, 
feeling sorry for myself or yeah. you know being like oh this happened to me feel sorry for me sort of thing I don't want it to be like that all basically I, I want to share how I felt um during the last well what, when I was from the age of 16 to 20 what was it 27 I wanted to share how I'd felt over that period of time so it started off innocent you bet you want to win um you'd then lose a little bit more than you should do then you start getting comfortable with losing more than you should mm. do spending all your wage building up debt all these sorts of feelings of being trapped in a bubble and having to bet to win it back to pay off debt these are all the things that i read about and if someone is feeling like that then there's obviously a problem and if then listening to this and they realize that then that's that can only be a, a good thing if they if it helps them sort it out. I've never spoken really like this about it. This is the first time that I've really had a, a massive open conversation where I've not been pissed with Messi or any of the other boys, <laughs> which is normally when all the all the truth comes out. Um, yeah, sounds familiar yeah, as well for quite a few. Yeah, it's always been a drunk conversation first. Then, but no, good for you, mate. Like, so, it's yeah, good, it's good to get to the point where you can talk about it as well. Yeah, well, thank you for giving me the platform to do it. Um, like I say, I mean, there's a few things that people who listen to this won't know about, but it's, the idea is obviously just to spread awareness. And if you are in trouble in a situation where you need to ask for help, don't be afraid of thinking what other people are going to think of you. I think that's probably one of the big barriers to get over is how is someone going to look at you? What's the perception that they're going to have of you? And uh, you know, some people will have a bad one and never get over it, and some people will have a good one and, and help out. Final bit of business, are we on? Have you got one nearby, Mesh? I've got one. No, have you? I've got uh, one. I have. I, oh, no, Mesh, you can't. No. <laughs> You're not with the coin. Oh. You're calling, mate. You can't. It's, it's, it's you two, anyway, I think. Trip that round to the flipper coin. Loser's got to do a song, a story, and a joke. Song, and story, then, and a joke? Uh, or a joke. I mean, oh, you can, be, you can do all three. I've got a joke. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's on YouTube. So, in fact, it's you flip the coin. Michelle, call me. Uh, Tales never. I'll do, I'll do I'll be honest. I'll, I'll be honest, Mish, with this one. Okay. I'll tell you. Tales. Okay. <laughs> See, that's the flip there. I haven't oh. seen it. Oh, no, I'll drop it. Sorry, I'll do it again. Sorry. I thought this out. I just wanted to. All right. Tails. Tails again. It's heads. It's heads. And it actually is heads. Can't see it. Do you not? Oh, yeah, it's heads. What you got for us, Michelle? It honestly is heads. It honestly is. I've got a joke. Very nice. Just a joke along the lines of gambling. So. <laughs> I don't have a wife, but the joke is about that. So I came home from work the other day and I said to my wife, what would you do if I've won the lottery? She said, I'd take half the money and leave you. I said, great. I've won a tenner. Here's a fiver. Stay in touch. <laughs> oh, real good job. Oh, that's... <laughs> Simple but effective. Uh, yeah. I, wonder, I wonder where that was going then. <laughs> oh, that's class. No, but thanks a lot, Michelle. Um, no worries, boys. Thank you very much for having me on. Please follow and share us on Instagram and Twitter at AllChatsPod with a space.